Hey guys, welcome to the No Season 2 podcast in which we watch TV shows that lasted only one season. For our first season of doing this uh, podcast, we started off with My So-Called Life, and we're up to episode three, which is titled Guns and Gossip. I'm your buddy, George Gordon, doing this every week with my good friend, Megan Corinne. We got a lot to unpack this uh, episode, Megan, but before we get to that, I want to say a little disclaimer about this episode, Guns and Gossip. Of the episodes that we watched, this is probably aged probably the best and to a unfortunately unfortunately yes yeah and even though we like to tell jokes and like uh like have a good time when we do this podcast we'll make sure our listeners let them know that we don't be flipping toward towards the issues of gun violence and and guns in school which is what this episode is about we're gonna try to have a good time but we also want to not be too crazy about how we talk about this correct before we get into all of this megan how are you doing i haven't seen you in a week i'm doing good it's a beautiful day in brooklyn so it's not too hot. Yeah, I know, uh, right? Nice, nice breeze outside. The weekend goes too fast, though. Yeah, tell me about it. I'm just currently not choking from uh, pollen. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, I avoided getting crapped on by a bird today, which is like, which is a highlight of my uh, highlight of my day today. Supposedly so that's good luck, but having had it happen to me, having had it happen to me, not so much. It, it's awful. <laughs> So much, so much came out of that bird. I thought it was raining, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> they're not, they're not eating like a healthy diet here. That is very in New true. York. <laughs> that is very true. A lot of, lot of, lot of. Uh, this is eating. There's a great pizza place around the corner. There's some leftover pizza on the on the on the ground. And <laughs> so, need to say, they were going to, going to town on a pizza. Uh, I've got nothing to report. I saw a concert on Friday. Um, uh, I forgot what it's like to be out on Friday nights. It's not my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> You're getting getting up there. Where I might be getting, I might be getting too old for Friday night hang. <laughs> like uh, I was Need like, to be oh my god, by nine thirty and. Well, I don't, I don't staying up late. I don't mind, but it's like the the amount of like the schwaggery. Yeah, uh, is is brutal. Yeah, I went to a concert. The uh, the nude party, great great band from uh, Appalachian State, but not great fans. So we'll <laughs> sorry, see how I sorry feel. Sorry to report. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Hopefully to report. they don't hear this. <laughs> They will. It's like, that's usually how it works out. Like, I was like, hey, we thought you were all right to you have to start talking shit about our fans, man. But you know, it's all about the fans. But I have nothing to report to. So let's get into guns and gossip. Before we get into your recap, I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that I did some research on. So this episode premiered, the original air date was September 8, 1994. And uh, we talk about like school shootings and gun violence in schools. Like it's almost mm-hmm. like it's a new thing. But I did a little research <laughs> to find out. Yeah, like it's like a thing that happened. We're 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 flushed with these incidents the past like 25, 30 years. School shootings and gun violence actually predates this episode of the show. So in the eighties, there were sixty-two incidents of uh, school shootings and gun violence. In the nineties, there were ninety-nine incidents, mm. which is something I actually never really thought about these sort of things. Um, uh, this episode predates Columbine by five years. Yeah. Which is which is crazy because that is the Columbine massacre, which occurred in 1999. This episode aired again in September of 94. It is written, I'm sorry, it's directed by Marshall Hershkovitz, one of the showrunners of the show, and written by Justin Tanner, who's a playwright in uh, Los Angeles who wrote Oklahoma, uh, <laughs> Wife Swappers, and Space Therapy. So that's got a little background on the show. So uh, Maggie, why don't you take us away with the recap? First of all, I want to say that I, having gone back and listened to the episodes to try and edit them, I apologize for using the word like every other word. I need a shock collar to <laughs> shock me every time I say it. It's 
it's horrific and I'm going to try and be better. So I want to sound intelligent. You're, you're doing great. We're, we're, Which we're, was not we, happening. We're rewatching a high school show. It's okay to talk about yeah. this. <laughs> so I prepared a little bit better this time as well. Again, we have the two, two storylines, but this time they intertwine a little bit better. There's a rumor that Angela had sex with Jordan in his car. Complete sex, according to the note that's being passed around in the classroom. And there's also the gun-focused storyline, which is a shot is fired in a hallway with a bullet going through one of the lockers. And Brian Krakow is man on the scene for that. The main plot points for this is Brian witnesses Ricky after the gunshot goes off, witnesses Ricky kind of scurrying away. Angela confronts Jordan, asking him if he started the rumor. Patty meets Rayanne's mom, which... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is a trip. Mm-hmm. Knowing Rayanne, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Mm-hmm. We see that Ricky is being bullied for being bisexual, although I don't think the bullies were differentiating between being bisexual and being gay, judging by their insult that they hurl at him. Mm-hmm. They um, use some language, which actually kind of shocked me. Yeah, I, I was like, did they say that? And then I realized they did say that. We don't need to repeat it on this show. <laughs> Correct. The principal is threatening Brian with disciplinary action if he does not give up who the shooter is. We find out that there technically really is no shooter at the sort of at the end of the episode. And I think we'll get into that. But those are the main, I would say, plot points mm-hmm. of this episode. And I think instead of a long-winded synopsis, I think we should get right into discussing all of all of these points because I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of notes. And then the the pre the, the prep before we got on the recorded this podcast. So I wanted to shout out a certain person. We have been giving Rayanne Graf a little bit of crap these first uh, few episodes, whether or not yeah. she's like toxic or just a troublemaker. I do have to shout her out for being an absolute real one in three of the scenes. The first scene in when she talks to Jordan Catalano mm-hmm. and uh, basically like confronts him about whether or not he spread that rumor about, yes. about him and Angela. And there's a scene right before that in which she said that is a very guy thing to do. <laughs> Unfortunately. It is a very unfortunate guy thing to do. So I have to shout her out for that scene. Then I'm going to shout her out again for sticking up with Ricky when Ricky's getting bullied by those two guys who are losers. Losers. I'll talk about talk about bad fit. That's a yeah, yeah. The, the backwards baseball cap and like the khaki trench coat was yeah, not and, a good look, the, sir. No, and the bandana. The other guy was like, "All right, so we have a worst best fit category. This is one of the worst fits we've ever seen <laughs> yeah, on the show." Yeah. Yes, could have taken some style advice from Ricky if they weren't too busy bullying him. Exactly, uh, Ricky again with the fit this week, but I, I got a different choice for best fit. And then, like finally, Rand Graf, uh, not really confronting Brian, but letting Brian know what happens to snitches. Yeah, yes. which is so Brooklyn and so hood. I loved it. I think we have. So I also was like annoyed with Rayanne a little bit. Mm -hmm. I do have notes where I'm like, hell yeah, she's sticking up for Ricky and she's confronting Jordan. But also she was being, I would say, extremely sort of flippant about Mm -hmm. the gunshot in the hallway. And there's a scene when they're all in the bathroom. All the girls in the high school seem to be in this one in this one bathroom. And she just doesn't understand what the big deal is. And she even makes fake gunshot sounds in the bathroom. So cool for defending Ricky and Angela. Not so 
cool for taking this incident and making a joke of it in the girls' bathroom. I think that's kind of the whole deal, though, because yeah. even Angela <laughs> yeah. says at the end of episodes, it's like everything a joke. Yeah. And then one, th- I think she finally realizes, it's like, oh, this is kind of a bigger deal when Brian gets called into the principal's office for the third time. Oh my god! And they cut to her face, <laughs> just like, oh, this is like this could be this could be a big deal, especially if he rats out Ricky. Yeah. So I I definitely agree with you. It's like we got the good and the bad ran, but the the good was. The, the good, good outweighed really good. the bad, probably, Absolutely. in this episode. I don't see that happening. <laughs> I don't see that happening in a lot of episodes. Though. No. <laughs> we got we got introduced to a, a, free, a few characters, whether it was a principal poster. No, that was his name. I, I was just like, this guy, if he one more time pulls Brian aside, mm-hmm. even I was getting like, leave Brian alone, which I hate when I feel like that, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, we got introduced to the principal Foster, and we actually got three Foster scenes, which is uh, which may have been too too many, but it is yeah, what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he's a, he's actually one of the running for my best fit, but we'll we'll get into that a little <laughs> bit later. We also got introduced to Rand Graf's mom, Amber Valone, which is like straight out of like a porn uh, porn name, Amber Valone. <laughs> she was giving off a lot of energy in that parent town hall that they had after the shooting, and Patty was loving that energy. Oh, totally, totally. There's nothing better I, than there's nothing better than being in a meeting and someone is saying the things you want to say and you're connecting with them. So I get where Patty is coming from. Shout out to the diversity of that parent town hall meeting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I counted at least six or seven people of color. But where were those and, students? Yeah, I know, right? There's like this seems like a very white school with very with very, very, very uh, black parents. But the, the, I shout out to the, the writers. I was like, you know, we got to make this town hall look like it's not like uh, a school shooting in like a, I don't know, maybe that actually probably has an aid very nicely. <laughs> <laughs> There's a school shooting. Let's shove all our black characters into like, this all the black characters in the- <laughs> <laughs> Not cool, guys. We also get a very, very brief moment with a character named Crystal. We don't get her name, but I went into the, the uh, IMDb, and uh, Crystal is played by Shar Jackson. And listeners, who is Shar Jackson? Well, she's known for a lot of things. She's uh, the best friend of Moesha on the TV show Moesha. But she's also the original Mrs. Kevin Federline. And for those of you who don't know, Kevin Federline left her for Britney Spears. He went on to ruin someone else's life. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> This is poor, poor Shar. Poor Shar Jackson. No, poor Britney Spears. <laughs> yeah. poor, poor a lot of these women, actually. Yes. <laughs> this whole show is poor, poor these women. Yeah. Oh, I want to shout out uh, Amber Vallone, who's played by Patty D. Arbenville. Um, uh, Patty D. Arbenville, I know because she was on a TV show a few years later called New York Undercover, which is a show that I watched on Fox. But she, she's a, she's been an actor or been in the scene for a minute. She was part of like the Andy Warhol like factory scene. He was like, she was like his muse in the early Warhol stuff. So Patty D. Arbenville, who, who uh, Patty described as gorgeous, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Patty also says this woman, she's not a woman. She's a 40 year old girl. Yeah. Which is kind of telling. Yeah, I enjoyed the, the casting choice. I was like, oh, well, like even when she talks about Jordan Calano and I have that in my notes is one of my favorite scenes is the two of them meeting. The way she talks about Jordan is that she was still in high school. Yes, which is a little creepy, but poor it's, Patty it's, in that, it's, in that it's moment. It's kind of odd. It is kind of odd. So before we get into some of the other scenes, I want to talk a little briefly about the therapy sessions. What did you think that as a scene and as, I guess, a, a moment in the show? 
world's worst counselor. (laughs) Absolutely the worst counselor. The woman should be stripped of everything, her job, her credentials. When Crystal, Char Jackson's character, is talking, I mean, I don't think it was an uncommon feeling because that was her locker that the bullet went into. It hit her soda Mm -hmm. can. She had said, I really wanted that soda. What if I had gone to get it? And the counselor is just making this face at her that can only sort of be described as, I don't know, just confusion. Like she doesn't understand what this girl is saying. When Rayanne comes in, again, a look of confusion. Maybe she just stumbled into this job. (laughs) This is, you Mm -hmm. know, her second day, she wandered in from off the streets and is like fooling everyone. And then when Angela comes in, I was so irritated. Angela is, I would say, turning her session into how a rumor is affecting her. And the Mm -hmm. counselor says, people won't believe things that aren't true. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Lady, this is high school. Teenagers will believe whatever they want to believe. I, I was blown away. I mean, to be honest, I can't really remember a counselor that I had that was great or really did anything. I mean, I wasn't visiting sure. them, but they were just kind of there. They were just there to like in high school sign a, a paper for applying to college kind of thing. But this woman has to be hands down one of the worst counselors on the face of the planet. You know, they'll only believe things that have occurred of a truth to them. That's not how high school works. High school runs on things that aren't true. Lady, right. fire her. I, I hope I never have to see this woman again. <laughs> so angry. What I remember about the show is just like, I mean, of course, I remember a little bit about this episode because this is ahead of a sign for 1994 to have a, I mean, before this, we had like very special episodes. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Important yeah. things, uh, but like it was never. It was always handled in a way, and it was like a little campy. Like, oh, yeah, it was like it was like, it was like you learn something, blah 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 blah. So like uh, the gun episode in nine hundred two one zero was like um, I guess it was not as well. There was two. There was two. There was one which like uh, he was I guess Brian Austin Green's character, David Silver's like friend. Yeah, who accidentally kills himself. Episode. Yeah. He's wearing a Lakers shirt, if I remember correctly. That's something I remember about that. <laughs> the episode's a little um, corny and cheesy. <laughs> it is. I mean, like, in, I, when I was, like, doing research about school shootings, and that was an incident that had happened, like, I guess in the 90s, in which, like, a character shows a gun, playing where he accidentally shoots himself, blah, blah, Well, blah. 90210 I, covered that with a with about as much grace as a 90210 would cover anything. Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. The uh, the other thing I wanted to get into is, like, so I said Rayanne for being a real one I'm talking about. What happens, what happens to snitches? Snitches. Snitches. I'm already thinking about that, which is funny because like it it predates the st- stitches get snitches. I'm sorry, stitches get stitches. <laughs> I can't talk today. Was 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 in the very next scene we it, we we Sharon talks to Brian, Ugh. and she pretty much gives him the opposite the opposite. Uh, she's like, "You'll uh, be you're part of the problem if you don't. Exactly. If you don't, it's like take your she was take your half saying, ponytail and get out of here, Sharon." Exactly. She's basically see say see something say something. So shout out to Rand Graff and Sharon for giving us pretty much the beginnings of those those two phrases. Yeah. <laughs> before that, I guess I'd never heard anything quite like that. <laughs> we're gonna move right along. It's like Graham has been our biggest loser for the past yeah, few weeks. Yes. But we didn't. <laughs> luckily, we were we were we were we didn't have any. Uh, Mostly Graham free. Yeah, we're a grand free episode. But there is a moment in which like I had I kinda chuckled. The things that you notice when you watch uh, an episode, I guess more than once. I watched it on Friday and I watched it again this morning. He gives this look when Patty asks Angela who Jordan is, in which he's basically saying, I'm out of this. It's like uh, it's like what I was like, okay. Yeah, he, he like he like backed away. Um, a stopped clock can be right 
twice a day. So this sure. applies to Graham. When they're talking in the kitchen and Patty says, we should confront her. And he's he says, we should definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not do that. I was like, I have to agree with, I have to agree with Graham on this. 100%. As much as I hate Graham, he was correct. Yeah, Graham sucks, but I was also like, Graham's like, I'm out of here. You (laughs) have at that. And then when she storms out, I hate everyone. They show his face again. He was like, almost like he was like, see what I fucking told you? (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you have to listen to Graham, which is a sad thought, but. Yeah. So basically a Graham free, Graham free episode of him being shitty. I want to take this time to talk about, I guess, well, we'll call needle drop moments, but we get an, we get a pretty amazing needle drop with the cranberries yeah. dreams. So again, like I'm of the age of uh, Angela's character in real time. One of the things I guess I guess lost in the sauce about the 90s and 90s music, of course we have all of the, the grunge stuff and you have the, the rise of like New York City hip hop. With that being said, the cranberries were kind of an underrated group from the 90s. I mean, I was listening to them Probably a few years late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like where I grew up, everything was a few years late. So <laughs> I got the cranberries a few years late, but I had the CD. I listened to it. I still listen to it. Most of my time is spent listening to 90s playlists on Spotify. So oh, it's, nice. a, it's still a big staple in, in my life. Dreams has, has aged nicely. Uh, Linger has aged nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, even kind of zombie is aged nicely. Like it wasn't my favorite cranberries tune growing up, but uh, but I remember it, like being like part of the the music scene, of course. Yeah. And so shout out to like the music supervisor uh, this week, which just laying a, throwing out a bomb. That song is Angela's in her room and in, mm-hmm. in her bed. I think contemplating like what is happening with her life. Right. And Patty walks in and she goes to turn it down. Then a conversation ensues where you know you have to use protection. Right. A conversation no one wants to have with their parents, but apparently Angela is getting twice. So yeah, it was like it, it was a, it's as it a part of the episode. I was like, I was like, oh, kind of taking it back because that is that that song is uh, pretty major. So shout out to the Cranberries and Dreams for recording a pretty awesome song that is over thirty, almost thirty years later, and it's still pretty fucking good. All right, Megan, let's get into one of the categories. We have best fit. Kind of a tough one because there's a couple outfits that I saw that I remember like either seeing from the 90s or seeing here recently, whether it's Jordan's flannel <laughs> with the choker, which we, I guess we always mention. Yeah. Or Angela's wearing like a flannel at the end with like the underneath shirt. It's got three buttons, which is mm-hmm. like a look that's definitely very much from the 90s. But we've mentioned him earlier. He's in the running for uh, Biggest Loser in the episode. But I do, I do like a bow tie <laughs> with suspenders. So I'm going to give my, I'm, I'm going to go and do it. I'm going to give my uh, best fit to Principal Foster. I think the bow tie look is kind of tight. It's taking a bad, bad, bad look because of Tark Carlson. And he sucks. <laughs> but bow ties are tight. <laughs> bow ties are kind of a tight look. So what would It is a good fit? look. I'm going with Angela when she is wearing a sleeveless denim shirt, buttoned down, but wearing it as a vest. And she's wearing, I think, a black dress, long sleeve black dress underneath. And then there's flannel tied around her waist and like mm-hmm. black tights. And I that that look is a vibe. It holds up and I would wear it. So props to the costume people, the wardrobe people on this episode for that. What did you think of Rand's hat at the end oh, of the episode? I have a note that said, let me find this note. Okay. This hat is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that was the note. It, it's um, bordering on, I think, Clockwork Orange. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> it looks stupid. She looks stupid in this hat. I hate this hat. It is bordering like clockwork orange. I didn't even think about that. Yes, it totally is. Yeah. What is is that a derby? Is that what they call that? She's wearing a derby? I think it's a bowler. Bowler. That's what it is. Yeah. She's wearing a bowler. She looks stupid. Uh, it's it's a silly, silly hat choice, but it was a choice that was made. In <laughs> it was a choice that was made. <laughs> it was a choice that was made. I want to briefly get into, not briefly, but like there are some very, very good, good moments from this episode. What were, what were some of your favorites? I have two favorite moments. Mm-hmm. They're tough, I think. When after Angela talks to Jordan in front of a poster about choking safety, <laughs> I'm like maneuver. And he is saying we should have just done it because everybody's thinks we did anyway. And then Angela says, in that moment, I knew it had already happened. Basically saying she, you know, wants to have sex with him, will have sex with him. It just hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. And then following that, he sees her on the stairs and he's like, you know, what I said earlier, you can forget about it. I wrote it down. I, I have to, I have to find the words. I don't have any real interest in you. You and I mean nothing to each other. Brutal, brutal, but is it Oprah or is it my Angelou that said, when people show you who they are, believe them. Believe them, Angela yeah. could have used that quote. That quote should be on a poster in the hallway of that high school because Angela needed it in that moment. Jordan sucks. Right. He sucks, but he's telling you that he sucks. Yeah. My, my pushback on a scene, which is why he's a nominee for uh, Biggest Loser, yeah. <laughs> was uh, I believe him when the, the first thing he said, because he's an idiot. But I would never believe that he would ever apologize for anything because he is that stupid. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I'm like looking at him. It was like when he's talking about it. And then when he doubles down, he's like how stupid he is. It's like, no, he would never he, he would never leap to that point. It was, he's dumb. He's a dumb idiot that would say something like that. It's like, we should have sex just because, you know, that's what everybody's saying. But he would never apologize. I just can't imagine how, I mean, how unsatisfying that would be. He seems, he seems like it would be quick. He just wants to get off and he would push you out of the car. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't imagine just how unfulfilling, not no, satisfying and it, it would be. And it would be in a car, too. It would, it like, would definitely be in his car. Yeah, or, or like on a baseball field, like in Fast Times of Richmond yeah. High. He's a fucking moron. <laughs> But yeah, he's one of my nominees for Biggest Loser. Uh, one of my favorite moments, and I thought that they wrote that with such with such grace. And I thoroughly enjoyed the scene in which Angela and Ricky are in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the reason why is because of, he said something else to me. You're known as like Rayanne's friend. And it was like proof that like her and Rayanne are friends, but her and Ricky are friends too. And probably even a better relationship with the two of them than with Rayanne, who's, who's going to get your fucking ass in trouble. So I will say that moment in the car, Angela does the thing that white women do when, oh, yeah. when a minority or someone from sort of a disenfranchised community is saying how hard their life is. Angela is kind of like, well, my, my life's not perfect. Yeah, 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 I'm sure you have moments where your life sucks, but I'm sure it's not as bad as, as Ricky's right now. Being right. bullied, being called slurs right chill out girl stop making it about yourself yeah no there was uh that's the only part of that scene i was like man also like uh <laughs> it's like the, the, there's there's a bit of a white savior you can't have a gun in school yeah. it's like but then like he he has that scene in which he uh i forget the teacher's name i forgot what his name is but the teacher says you have a right to come to class i have a lot of notes on this do you think while you're looking this up do you think it was odd that a, an episode about Guns in school opens up 
Well, with them watching a speech from the uh, JFK inaugural, I was like, it's almost kind of two on the nose, but also like, why are you doing that on the nose? Kind of knowing for well that, of course, he was he gets assassinated a, a handful of years later. But okay, it's saying you have you have a right to come in and be left alone. And Ricky basically says, not everyone is left alone. He's sort of giving a justification as to why someone might bring a gun to school. And it doesn't mean they're in a gang. It doesn't mean they're a criminal. It means that they want protection. I'm not endorsing this theory, everyone. (laughs) No, of course not. (laughs) I'm not endorsing uh, bringing a gun to school. But I can see how Ricky would be put in a position where he would align with that train of thought. Mm-hmm. Then we find out in that conversation with Angela in the car, we find out that it was his cousin who brought it to school, wanting to sell it. Ricky says, you know, you can't bring a gun here and try and sell it. They get in a little scuffle. The The box that the gun is in falls. And that's when the gun goes off. Mm-hmm. Ricky did not bring a gun to school to protect himself. Right. But he wanted people to believe it because he he wanted to be left alone. He wanted people to think that he is the type of person. <laughs> And that, and that was, and that was, and that was a part of the scene that I, that I was like, oh wow, I was like, I guess I never really thought about it quite like that. He wanted to have the rep of people stop, stop fucking with him, including the two worst bullies on the face of the planet. Yeah. Bullying. Yes. There is. So we, we buried the lead just a little bit, but how the episode ends. The episode ends with all of them walking into school, pretty much probably the next day after Brian has threatened the principal, which is kind of an interesting scene. I will say I, he was questioned a lot and I'm not sure it's legal. Would it be legal to question him without his parents? I was thinking the exact same thing because I was kind of like, wait, what? And then also, it's a little rude for the principal to say, what was it for why Brian was in the bathroom? <laughs> like, how yeah, long I mean, were you in there? It's like, maybe Brian has IBS, okay? No sh- <laughs> no shit, no pun intended. But like, there is, he's on my list of biggest losers for, for several reasons. Yes. He got a little too close, was asking some very, very weird questions, and I didn't enjoy any of that. And, I, and I'm like, how is this guy a school official and a, and a principal? <laughs> He's breaking like, the rules. He's a he's, vigilant. He's, this, he's like a Mr. He's a Joe Clark. A Mr. I know, Clark right? Type. He used to call my crazy Joe. <laughs> now they got call me Batman. It's like, you may watch Lean on Me too many times, my dude. That was ridiculous. I do think we need to bring up the fact that Brian was the person that started the rumor we about do, yeah. Angela having list. complete sex, which I don't think would be possible with Jordan, in his car. Mm-hmm. And it was because Angela did not tell him that Jordan would be coming by his house. So I would like to retroactively take away how I said Brian was the hero of last week's episode. I'm taking it away. It's null and void. He sucks. And he proved it in this episode because I don't think the two things are completely Comparable. No, they're not. In fact, uh, I, when I when I saw it the first time on Friday, I kind of didn't catch that it was uh, what he said and what he didn't say. So I'm going to add in another person to my biggest loser this week. If, I don't know what he told Sharon, and I don't think they get into that too much. But the fact that Sharon just even kept saying some other shit yeah. makes me kind of go, Sharon, like... Sharon's just talking to everybody about it. I guess at least in the bathroom when Angela overhears Sharon talking to some girl in a dress that I like, which is also mm-hmm. a, a good fit, a, sort of a flower mm-hmm dress the girl says oh so like a slut and then Sharon has a moment of no not like a slut so I guess she at least she didn't call Angela a slut 
in that moment, who knows what she was saying to other people. Well, what kind of a friend are you? She, she's, she's ridiculous. So we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, end the like recap part of this when we talk about the end of the episode, which is which they walk into school and there are metal detectors. And what I did today is actually went and researched this, like how real that was. I didn't go to school with metal detectors. Neither did but I. But I think that's a thing now at the school I went to. First uh, metal detector that I, that I researched that I found in school was in 1989 hmm. in Detroit. Again, I showed pretty much like an episode that was like taking what was going on in the world and like putting it in the putting into an episode. So again, this episode aired in 1994. So five years later, they were in an episode. I want to say it kind of signifies an end of, I don't want to say an end of innocence. But it signals a moment when you realize you're not protected anymore. And I think Patty talks about that. Mm -hmm. She says, I just want to be able to protect you. And they should have, they should be able to live their lives, go out, not have to deal with AIDS or getting shot or serial murderers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think you expect your children to be able to go to school and be safe. And time and time again, that's proven not the case. Yeah. That's my, my speech for that. So let's get into Biggest Losers because we've been talking about this. Biggest Losers and Biggest Winners. I have got a loaded, loaded <laughs> field for Biggest Losers. <laughs> same, same. All right. So like I've already mentioned it before, Principal Foster is the, is a nominee for Biggest Loser for me. <laughs> like brutal, brutal, brutal episode for him. Brian Krakow. Yeah. Again, another big loser for this episode. Jordan Catalano. Also major, major loser. big loser. And then we got, I got some people whose names I don't know, but are major losers. The bullies. The, the bullies are are big, big time losers. We see them two times. But two guys we want to see once who I'm going to go ahead and give it to because as much as I hate Principal Foster, as much as I hate Krakow, as much as I hate Jordan Catalano, they're all just pretty fucking lame. But the two biggest losers for me, and it's a tie, the dude in the Letterman jacket in the class passing a uh. note. Gross, gross, gross. Also, that guy looked like he was 40. So yeah. I don't know where they, where they got where they got that phone from. He wandered in off the street. And then the other guy in the in the gym class with a terrible haircut, very, very 90s, you know, that shade of the size and kind yeah. of like, yeah, the look that he gives Angela and Rayanne, the the kind of what's up. Yeah, yeah, big, big, big time loser. Actually, you know what? I'm going to give it to all of them. They're all <laughs> big losers in, in, a, in, in a major way. And I said Principal Foster earlier was my biggest loser or one of my biggest losers. But I can't get over how much I hated those two dudes. So I'm going to go with the two guys who don't have names, but just they were just. The bullies awful. or the or the guys in the gym? The, the guys in the gym and the guy, the guy in the class. The Letterman jacket guys. Just the look. Just ugh, brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal. What about you? Who's your big loser? <laughs> I have I have a tie between Brian and Jordan. I agree with you. The guys in the gym, the bullies. This episode is every single man in this episode, shockingly not Graham, is a mm-hmm. fucking loser. I think Brian's a loser because he started that rumor mm-hmm. off based off something that's not comparable. Mm-hmm. Jordan's a loser because he's like, we should just do it. And then he's like, you mean nothing to me. And right. also he was in the gym and he was wearing jeans. He's wearing jeans. Yeah. <laughs> a loser. He's a loser. They're all losers. It's, loser. it's an episode of Oprah. You're a loser. You're a loser. You're a loser. I hate all of them. Kind of like, kind of not great. Not a great episode. <laughs> who is, who is your big winner? Big winner. I mean, Ricky tries to stop the person from selling the gun in the school. Mm-hmm. So I think he's up there. I think honestly, just Ricky. 
<laughs> I have I have the Enrique Vasquez, Ricky Vasquez as my big, big winner for several reasons. One is the heart of the show and my favorite part of the show as I've gotten older has been Wilson Cruz's portrayal. And we got the first real mm-hmm. Ricky episode, whether he was uh, that great scene in class, he talks about having a gun, the great scene in the car, we was talking to Angela. And it's just sort of like you get to see him kind of going through his day-to-day stuff, what he's got to deal with. I mean, I know we're supposed to love Angela, we're supposed to love Ray, yeah. we're supposed to love all those other people. Are but- we... As I've gotten older, no, nah, I was like, I mean, Rand sucks, except for this episode. But this is the first really, really, really great Wilson yeah. Cruz performance. And I know we've got another one down the road that's coming in a few weeks when we recap that episode because it's an episode that I remember watching as a kid. The biggest winner for me this episode is, is Ricky Vasquez. Yeah, I sometimes I'm thinking we should take some of these people out of the running for, for like best fit winner winner of the episode because we're always like, oh, Ricky. Yeah, it was like. A so it's like pretty much Ricky, 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 Ricky show. It's Ricky show. My so-called life with Ricky Vasquez. Yeah, people who suck. Uh, Brian, Jordan, Graham, Neil. <laughs> Well, the cool thing is, like, we don't have many people to work with, so we're like, we're basically going to say a lot of the same people over and yeah. over. The fact that, like, I love we rec- rec- retroactively, like, we're like, no, I'm yeah. Brian sucks. Taking now. it back. Hey, Mr. Brian Krakow. Null and void. So I don't remember. What's uh what's what's up for in the next few episodes? Because it's like this is a part of the show in which like things are starting to run together. So, what are your predictions for going forward? When I was looking at something for this episode, I think the next episode is parent heavy. Oh, oof. <laughs> not super a fan of. So we'll see how that goes. It's gonna be a Graham sucks week next week. <laughs> it probably is. I want to see more. I say this now, but I know I'm not going to take it back. More of Rayanne's mom. I do too. Wham, bam. (laughs) I think we didn't get enough of her. I want to see more Patty, Rayanne's mom interaction. I I would like it too, because Rayanne's mom, first off that name, like I said, Amber Valone, came in like a tornado. I mean, I was like, whoa. She really really let the principal have it in that meeting. Our kids are supposed to come in wearing bulletproof vests. Let's get her to Congress. Let's get to the Senate. I know, right? Also, you don't see characters in TV shows smoking. Not anymore. Um, uh, that's like, <laughs> not anymore. That's like a thing from like, even in the 80s, if you're watching like a TV show, you don't see them smoking. If I heard her go outside and fire up a nice. cigarette, you're just like, damn. <laughs> we know what kind of woman she is. She kind of reminds me of a mob boss's mistress. <laughs> oh, totally. Let's totally. get a spinoff with her and <laughs> see. I, I would have loved that. See what I her life is like. Patty D'Arbonville spinoff, my so-called life. Like, you know, how to, I think there's this on Power and there's like, there's a TV show yeah. that's called Power. And there's Power, Book of uh, <laughs> so-and-so. My so-called my life. My so-called life. Book of Amber Balloon. <laughs> Amber <laughs> let's write this let's get this let's get this out there let's get this greenlit yeah. the amber valone uh prequel i'm like who would play amber valone in the prequel i nominate sydney sweeney mm. <laughs> from euphoria i don't know who i would who i would choose like uh, as you see amber valone at like aerosmith concerts like in cast, the early like, 80s jennifer lawrence no no you need I'm somebody not, who's i'm already, not saying already that i would cast jennifer answer. lawrence i'm saying the powers that be in hollywood would cast jennifer lawrence no, no, no. Sydney Sweeney. You need somebody a little edge. It would be basically like anybody who's on Euphoria would play the Amber Valone, would be in the Amber Valone uh, prequel. Well, Megan, we did it. That was Guns and Gossips, everybody. Looking forward to having you guys 
listen to our podcast next week in which we unfortunately may be getting a parent heavy episode. Uh, <laughs> based on what I read of the synopsis, it seemed parent and grandparent heavy episode. Oh, so, good Lord. Not, looking, not necessarily looking forward to it, but we'll go with it. It is yeah. what it is. They can't I mean, all like, be winners. Uh, what I used to say... <laughs> They all can't be. They all can't be gems. When I say on stage, I'm doing stand up. I tell a joke, and they go, "Well, it's like they all can't be gems, guys." I mean, it, how many episodes in a season? Bound to have some stinkers. We're gonna have some clunkers. We got some clunkers. <laughs> well, Megan, once again, it is good to see you. We have been the No Season Two podcast. We look forward to hearing from you guys next week. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs>